everybody. Welcome again to Deconstructing the Psyche. This is your host, Michael. Hey everyone, this is Eamon, your co-host. Your co-host. By the way. Yes, sir. Something I uh, noticed last week is I did a, this is your host and with me as always is Eamon. And I realized after that, that's actually a line from Wayne's World. (laughs) We should watch that movie. (laughs) Do a psychological analysis of Wayne's World. But yeah, so I'm, I'm sticking away from saying with me as always, because I don't want you to be my monkey boy like Garth is in Wayne's World. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I think everyone needs a catchphrase. Like there is yeah. from the mountains to the sea. The mm. one that went, the um, the news reporter from Channel, I think it was nine. Okay, like everyone has to have a catchphrase. Oh uh, yeah. So maybe use that one as yours. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, how are you doing this week? I'm actually doing well. Not too bad. Yeah. Enjoyed the movie. You enjoyed the movie that we're talking about this week. I did. That's something that we seem to be doing on a weekly basis is talking about movies. Is that a thing that we're doing or? I think it's a thing that we're doing, but we're doing it from a psychological perspective. So it's not. um, Interesting. Is that what the podcast says on the Apple podcast? I think so. It says that it's from a psychological, at least Hmm. the way I read it, standpoint. Okay. Well, I'm glad that we're watching movies every week from a psychological perspective. Yeah, it's not a total waste of our time. <laughs> yeah, so what was the movie that we watched this week? Face Off. Okay. Wow. Initial thoughts. Initial thoughts. Hmm. The surgery, the plastic surgery to get to the butt. <laughs> There's so much, um, so many holes yeah. in, the, in the movie, but a yeah. A lot of plot holes. A lot of just different interesting dynamics, yeah. yeah. Outside of the psychological <laughs> aspect, the, I think one of the things I found myself saying was this might be the worst, best movie I've ever watched. Because it's, it's really bad. There's a lot of really horrible <laughs> things that happen in this movie. Yeah. But it actually has a pretty good story, and I kind of feel like and this is i think what we'll talk about a little today in terms of the psychology of it i Mm -hmm. kind of feel like i knew what they were getting at and there was a there was a good somewhat of a good message behind it but it was just a bad movie though honestly i kept i kept thinking about how um nicholas cage yeah when he he became when he became um archer yeah yeah archer when he was sean archer and caster troy Right, so Caster Troy became Sean Archer, right? Yeah. Um, well, this was Sean Archer as Caster Troy. Yeah. He kept saying... So fake, fake, ar- fake Archer. I feel like calling them by their real names, but he kept saying, die, die. That was the line oh, in the movie. Yeah, he yeah. Said, die. He kept wanting this guy to die, and he never died. Yeah. It was like, he finally got what he wanted, but I'm like, damn. Die? Something you know like what the acting if i can come yeah the acting on uh-huh. you know, sean archer nicholas cage's um yeah character no caster troy's character uh-huh. nicholas cage nicholas cage yeah the acting was pretty good i actually enjoyed watching him yeah. and just the the way he expressed himself very over the top though i liked it i thought it was proper for <laughs> for the oh, movie man. yeah a lot of inappropriate lines. Oh, man. Um, just too, too much to talk about. I mean, I think there's probably been tons of podcasts that they've talked about. Some of the stuff we're mentioning right now. I don't want to go too deep into that because that's not what we are doing on this well, podcast. Remember what Beyond says? I sent you that um, uh-huh. that uh, essay. Talks Beyond about a psychologist, right? Yeah. Uh, psychoanalyst. Okay. Um, he's an MD. Okay. Was an MD. He talked about not bringing the past to the mm-hmm. present and just mm-hmm. being in the moment, using the reveries or whatever comes to us in the moment to really elaborate on the ideas that we're having. Yeah. So we should do something similar to that, where mm. whatever comes up comes up. But I do know you brought in a specific point that you wanted to talk yeah. about. In terms I think of I try. I, I usually have some ideas that come up in my mind as I'm watching the film, and yeah. maybe we can start off with that and then we'll see where the conversation goes yeah i'm interested i don't have any specific theories that i created from this film 
but the thing that was kind of sticking out to me mm-hmm. is the dichotomy between those two characters we're talking about. So we have Sean Archer, who is John Travolta's character, and Caster Troy, who is Nicolas Cage's character. And obviously they have to switch face. <laughs> they have to switch faces and switch bodies, switch lives, take over each other in some way. And the thing that kept coming to my mind in the film was that there's this idea that keeps playing out about what are you meaning to do? Maybe aligned with the term or the word intentions. What are you intending in some way? versus what are your underlying motivations Hmm. and so what i what i mean by this is that let's start out with sean archer so john travolta's character how does he how does a movie start out with him not not the not with the scene on the carousel with his son when he gets killed but when we're seeing him Mm pre-surgery what is his life like so he's a FBI agent, I guess, right? Yeah, he's an FBI okay. agent, and um, I think he's high level, right? He looks like he's in the office yeah, he's, he's a second he's, in command. He's a pretty uh, lead guy in the FBI in a certain department. So like, what is he like in terms of who he is some, as a person? Some, huh? What is he like in terms of who he is as a person at that time? To me, he oh, seems yeah. like an obsessed okay. person and reminds me of the same character that we experienced from Shutter Island mm. in terms of um, <clears throat> being addicted to maybe the work, yeah. but obsessed with um, Castro Troy. Yeah. Okay. So he's obsessed and so he's working all the time <clears throat> and maybe he's hell bent on revenge for getting Castro Troy, correct? Yeah. And so then one of the things I'd ask you then also is what are his family relationships like and what are his uh, work relationships like? You know, I chuckle because his wife is also a doctor who I think is also on call. Mm -hmm. Maybe I also experience her as not often being there as well. Yeah. So it probably works in his, the dynamic of his relationship Mm. with his wife. She's often working. She's a doctor, a Mm -hmm. physician. Mm -hmm. And he is an agent who's invest going out there and investigating. They don't really have. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they have a lot of time together. Yeah. And I, I actually felt like there was actually a distance between both sure. of them. Definitely. And maybe that's why, you know, Castro Tro is able to interject himself in yeah. her life so easily. Yeah. And same thing with his daughter, right? Yeah. His daughter yeah. S- seemingly has gone down the wrong <laughs> the wrong path it feels like a cliche doesn't i mean it? it is it's like there's that's part of the problem with this movie there's so many bad cliches and char- character types that they're using absent father rebellious daughter yeah, yeah, yeah. right but i it's that's fine i, I still want to try to go down this path a little bit yeah. so he doesn't have a good relationship with his wife or his daughter he's distanced from them probably for a very long time ever since their son died right because he's focused on revenge right and so that but the interesting thing is that he's supposed to be a good guy right yeah he's supposed to be a good guy technically he is the he's the good guy because he's trying to quote unquote do the right thing I'm, i'm sort of waiting for you to come upon maybe you know what what i experienced from the film what which is like a sort of dynamic between batman and joker mm. because it seems similar to that where this man like you know what you said makes sense to me because he's obsessed and wanting revenge yes. over a past crime that yeah. was committed but yeah. his obsession turned him into exactly well it turns him into the bad guy and yeah. i think that's what they try to explore that he yeah. actually became yeah caster troy while the other guy was actually obsessed with him right in in a way i think yeah he's he he sees himself as good mm-hmm. and maybe even within his roles in his family and in his job he's supposed to be a good guy but and this is where i kind of come in with this idea of intention versus motivation because his intentions seem to be good in that he's trying to do the right thing but 
his motivations are bad. And what I mean by the motivations is what's driving him unconsciously. And so he's being driven by his unconscious and he's being driven by what we're talking about in terms of the pain of his son dying and the revenge that he wants to get from that. And so because his motivations are poor, they're causing issues in parts in many different parts of his life, especially with his family and with his work relationships. Yeah. But I also think that when we lose someone close to us, the survivors have their own way. I understand of like, you know, um, totally dealing with that. And I think that, the distance between him and his wife seems natural to me yep. because of through the death of their son. Yeah. But so the, but the thing I'm talking about is that because he hasn't dealt with it, he has, yeah, he's not dealing with it appropriately. The pain from the past is what is driving him, spurring him on. Right. And so it's leading to negative outcomes with relationships because of that. Well, I mean, the biggest negative outcome was him deciding to become the bad oh, yeah. guy. Like, like that was that he, was off the wall crazy. He, he's so obsessed with to him do that, that. Decided to take on his identity yeah. and for what? To rid he. <laughs> I I think the idea was that he was already written, gotten written of. Yeah. yeah. But he's like, I'm going to go even further and destroy everything that he yeah. stands for. Yeah. Like he actually became the character and he didn't consider any other ramifications for his family either. No, he didn't. Like he didn't it's there wasn't of, even one question of what this is going to do with my family if I decide to make this move. This man represents his shadow. Mm. You know, he became yeah. the shadow figure and in a way it was actually liberating for him to actually become him, I think. I yeah. think being on one side of the fence why wouldn't one want to experience the other Mm. but he went like you said over into an extreme Mm -hmm. he became the character Mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay so he decides to become pastor troy right this is when they do the face off i have to take his face (laughs) off that was a good part of the movie too (laughs) face off i that have to kind of keep repeating this line to make sure that we're stating the title of the movie <laughs> i liked his acting in this movie yeah, nicholas yeah. cage caster you know nicholas cage is very character. dramatic i liked it i think it worked like face off and yeah, he pulls yeah. his face off and the guy's like we shouldn't give him any more drugs yeah <laughs> it is a little strange that they also had the whole thing with the touching the face with I, <laughs> Sean Archer's family, like a little too many references to uh, the face in this I mean, movie. It makes sense, yeah, to like um, with Sean Archer and his family mm-hmm. to, to touch the face because that's how you recognize that it's actually him. Because you know, in family dynamics, each family has a way of speaking yeah, to each that's other. True, yeah, you create your own language within your yeah. own family dynamic, and for them, that was a way for for them to recognize themselves. Yeah, and you see that in the hospital scene where he touches his wife's face. And in that instance, like, I think she had a gun loaded, right? She had a gun pointed at him. Probably. He he moves the gun out of the way. And then touches her her face with his dirty-ass hand. But, like... (laughs) (laughs) He needs to sanitize, maybe. Yeah, so they they switch faces, and Archer becomes Troy, and he goes into prison. Right. And so I think this there's more of this theme I'm talking about that then starts to take place here because Archer, the John Travolta. Yeah. You know, we should like, use her names because it would, I think it gets confusing. Well, when we're no, it is confusing because I, I was already messing up, but okay. when, when Archer becomes Troy. Okay. So Nicholas Cage post, uh, surgery, mm-hmm. right? So this is like the this is supposed to be the FBI agent in Nicolas Cage's body, okay. correct? So he's in prison, mm-hmm. and one of the things we're finding there is he's seeming to have some type of psychological crisis going on there. Yeah, when he starts laughing. Yeah, there's yeah. a there's a couple different instances of this trying to grapple with the idea of being in his body, but then also having to be a killer and be somebody who is ultra violent that doesn't 
fit with who he is. I think it does. Well, it did it. Okay, in it, what way? He he knew um, Caster Troy's ca- um, character so well, right? Personality so well that he actually could become him. The the I mean, according to the science in the film, he was able to take on the man's voice, you know, the mm-hmm. facial features, even the body. Apparently, they had the technology to make the bodies look similar. Yeah. So he actually became the character, right? Caster yeah. Troy. Yeah. But it's sort of like there was that transition that you notice when he becomes somewhat maniacal and he starts laughing. He's crying and laughing. But for me, I think it was a way for him to actually express himself and actually let go. Mm. Um, there are sometimes in trauma when a person experiences trauma that they engage in these sort of reenactments and they actually express those. And I think for him it was actually freeing and somewhat therapeutic to become the bad guy in he the needed film. to take that on a little bit you're saying he, he he needed to kind of identify with that aspect of himself he needed maybe? to understand that aspect okay. of caster troy to be able to maybe have empathy for him right perhaps yeah that makes sense well also if we're talking about this idea of the shadow you have to maybe it's not for him maybe the empathy is not for caster troy but maybe the empathy um, is really for himself, really, because perhaps why a father whose son was shot by the criminal he's chasing, why wouldn't he blame himself for that? Mm. And I think he did. That's why that's what it would have driven him to obsess about, mm. you know, getting this person back for the crime yeah. that he committed. Yeah, I, I think he blames himself for the the hell he brought to himself and his family. Mm. So dealing with a lot of guilt. Yeah. That makes sense. So you think that when he goes in there, that's kind of why he's having that breakdown of his mind in a way is because he's dealing with the guilt of things. That's one interpretation. Yeah. Okay. Okay. See, I thought from my point of view, I was seeing it more as he was having difficulty grappling, grappling with having to be put in that position and then also the things that he was kind of needing to do, because at some point he's having to fight people and defend himself. And he starts kind of going crazy on the one prisoner. And you see there's one point where he almost, he's about to kind of like finish him off in some way and he stops himself. Yeah, he's still himself. And he has to recognize that that's not him and that he still has kind of some goodness to him in a yeah. way. But we do see that in the prison uh, scene, the prison breakout scene later too, in that he's he's he knows he needs to get out of prison, mm-hmm. and he needs to get out of prison because he needs to stop what's going on from happening from what's happening, what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, he needs to stop the events, and so he's doing. He's taking actions in the moment to try to do that, which might not be ethical actions in terms of having to kill some of the prison guards. It's not but, moralistic, no. But he does contain himself. Yeah, he so does. he doesn't kill everybody he needs to. And he even tells the other prisoner, like, oh, no, we don't need to do that. Yeah. And then when the prisoner is about to fall over the balcony, he tries to save him and save his life. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is something going on there in that scene in which John Travolta's character Archer Mm -hmm. in Troy's body Mm -hmm. is starting to have more proper motivations for his actions as opposed to just revenge. And he's trying to do things in a more moralistic way. Yeah. If you will, I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, one would have to watch the movie to understand yeah um what you're talking about but i understand what you're talking about having watched the movie um i do think it's sort of his character although he became caster is wearing his face um archer has still has a moral compass yeah he still has a conscience although he can engage in that character and become him and maybe even harm someone Mm. he still has the power to stop and not commit a total crime, which would be a murder, yeah. a necessary killing. Doing things 
for the right reason yeah you know um the end is justifying the means but he's actually not trying to harm someone so he's not yeah you know um i think about the psychological study we all learned that when we're coming up and when we you know study psychology the, mm. the stanford prison experiment william zimbardo right yeah. in that experiment you know um zimbardo was the who's the head of the prison oh i don't know what do you Can't call remember. the warden so yeah. the warden he zimbardo was a warden and then he had guards and he had prisoners so some of this research subjects were actually students from stanford and you have them being guards and some being students yeah you know but they started to play the role so well, and Zimbardo started to play his role so well that they all took on the character. They forgot about their moral. The, their morals from previous life or whatnot. Yeah, they okay. forgot their moral compass. They became the character. Mm. As if to say, if we have, for our example in the film, mm-hmm. if Archer, now Troy, um, mm. was in that body a lot longer, yeah. he would have actually become... I think, or exhibited more of Troy's actual traits because of the environment he was putting himself into. Mm. Early in the scene, we see him actually grappling with the idea Mm. of, oh, now I'm becoming this man. Mm. So that's why you see that sort of break of accepting and not accepting, which I thought was done well for the film, where it's like having a sort of breakdown of what what am I? Who am I? The the buyer's remorse of it. It's an interesting idea because it makes me wonder... If one of the things that's going on then for Archer when he's in Troy's body mm-hmm. is, is it allowing him to empathize with Troy somehow? Maybe yeah. because he's seen what Troy has to do and what he experiences. And this, so this like is not only within the prison, but also when he goes to Troy's friend's house yeah. with all the drugs and drinking and then his situation with the girlfriend and the son maybe it allows him to empathize and understand him in some way and that helps him to kind of resolve some of his pain as well yeah that's what i was saying earlier mm-hmm. when he took on that role yeah he was actually able to you know from everything you just said able to create some empathy for the character you yeah. know relieve himself of the guilt for the yeah. death of his son but also understand maybe the the man's motivation mm. earlier i said you know when when they're in a situation where they're traumatized they engage in sort of reenactments yeah and in terms of reenact reenactments one acts out certain behaviors we often see this too with women who have been abused sexually mm. they engage in in those forms of behaviors as well hypersexuality is one of the symptoms of yeah. these reenactments yeah right and drug abuse and other things like that sure. as well sure so what do you think that the real troy was <clears throat> reenacting in his own life then because he, I'm, I'm, you're, I'm assuming if you're saying just, that he has a lot of trauma then from uh, his past, probably. I don't know his history, but I can say that typically someone who has, you know, engages in kinds of kinds of activities probably have experienced that in their own social upbringing, mm. right? Maybe crimes, violent, violent parent, an alcoholic parent, mm. um, maybe around drugs or alcohol as well, mm-hmm. um, and violence, right? Yeah, it just really depends on the kind of violence that we've experienced in the film. Does anything um, in particular stand out to you about the crimes? I know one was a, a bomb. Yeah, that they got a hold of. Sounds like they were doing a lot of stuff with bombs. I mean, they don't really get too into the crimes, but typically you would see maybe in that kind of a film. If I were to extend the analogy, um, it would be a prostitution. And stuff like that. So maybe yeah. their own trauma with that or experiencing mm. that growing up. Yeah. Some type of chaos. <clears throat> yeah. But we don't know a lot about their history to, be, to yeah. really talk about in a reenactment. Yeah. Maybe loose boundaries would be one between mm. mother and father because in his own dynamic with his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Right. They have pretty poor boundaries. For sure. He has a son that he doesn't know about either. For sure. It's only until um, Archer, now Troy goes to the to the friend's house, meets with a girlfriend, yep. he meets his son. He finds yeah. out he has a boy, a five-year-old. So he meets the five-year-old, right? And that's where we get the, the flashback, yeah. which was interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're. I mean, him and his girlfriend's relationship seem all messed up. Mm-hmm. And she kind of was talking about how he never is there, and he's always coming and going when he pleases. And she was messing around with some other guy too. So, so if we stick with the cliches, yeah, then that would be what his mom or what his father did with his mom, mm-hmm. you know, and what his mom did to the dad, yeah, in a way, having another boyfriend, another mm-hmm. man around to raise the five year old, which and. His son's situation would be him. Yeah. So kind of like a psychodynamic perspective there. The other thing would be this. Because he and his brother are two different people. Earlier I said his brother seemed like he's more centric, right? Um, Younger. And Troy is taller, different, you know, facial features, different phenotypes, right? Yeah. You would, I would then, it wouldn't be a stretch for me to say that the mom had another relationship right and with another man and she had a, a child with that man mm. and that's sort of what we were experiencing when she kissed that guy towards one of the end of the scenes yeah she was messing around with him yeah i, I think if it, the film would have gotten longer we would have seen further in the progression and if she would have lived and the other man would have lived she would have had a child yeah from the other man i think we need a caster troy backstory movie <laughs> we should write one no no more <laughs> about that guy the prequel but I thought it was interesting too when Caster Troy ends up becoming Sean Archer and he's kind of playing the FBI agent and what the FBI agent should be like or even what the family man should be like. And the reason I think it's interesting is because his character ends up doing things that are very opposite to the real Sean Archer in terms Mm -hmm. of kind of flirting with the wife and touching her butt and then, you know, letting his daughter smoke cigarettes and giving her a knife. Yeah. At some point he butterfly knife. Yeah. At some point he roughs up the guy who's trying Uh to mess with her in the car. And, and then he's kind of like joking around with all the coworkers. So in a way he's becoming, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the cool father, yeah. And there's some some parts of each of the people that he's interacting with like that because they're so used to the real Sean Archer being so dull. Yeah. But the, this is getting back to my thing about motivations and intentions is that mm-hmm. he's, he's doing all those things, but he's kind of like the quintessence of evil in a way because... Yeah. Not only are his motivations terrible, because he's doing all those things not to help people, no. but to cause chaos. Right. He just wants to make people's lives worse. So his motivations are horrible, and then his intentions are bad, too. And so that's kind of like the most evil there is when you have really messed up motivations, like your unconscious pain is driving you in a bad way, and your intentions are poor as mm. well, at least with sean archer his motivations weren't great but at least his intentions were good so he kind of has a chance to rectify that and to change but the person with both both bad motivations and bad intentions is kind of screwed in a way which is caster troy caster troy is purely the shadow yeah he's a shadow and i've read it and maybe um von franz's book Mm. when one exhibits that it's like all the antisocial traits is what he's exhibiting. Marie Louise von Franz, the Jungian analyst. analyst. Okay. Yeah. I think she talks about the shadow and how when one lives in the shadow, they engage in those sort of antisocial behaviors. Mm. Caster Troy, um, when Sean Archer is that, right? Yeah. Um, purely evil or purely the shadow. And I find it interesting that um, Sean Archer wants to just repress every aspect of the shadow yeah like he became the guy to repress the shadow yeah but then the guy actually took over his life and exhibited the shadow in his role as a father uh, Mm. a husband and Mm -hmm. a co-worker yeah um i kind of liked it because (laughs) i feel like his i mean it's interesting to see that you know in that character and his drive was motivated by you know those impulses mm. the the evil impulses let's say sex right mm. yeah the impulse to like you know say what you want in yeah. a way no, no inhibitions mm. the problem with that 
is that one in society cannot exist in that way. Yeah, you could also say that's like pure id right mm-hmm. there, using a Freudian term. Okay. Just pure instinctual energy and no, like you're saying, no filter, no repercussions, just kind of do whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, he. it seemed, and this is part of this inappropriate aspect of this movie, it seems like if this movie was a different movie, he probably would have messed around with the daughter as well, when he went into her room. He was very suggestive with her yeah, when he went into yeah. the room. Which is like another part of the, yeah, he's it, just like pure instinctual energy. That's incest. Yeah. And that's what he, if this was another movie, I think they would have pushed that agenda further. Maybe. You know, um, yeah, but that, yeah, that agenda was pushed. Yeah. So he's, so he's kind of the embodiment of the shadow. And maybe we can then also say that Sean Archer or John Travolta's the real John Travolta is trying to take off his mask or his persona in this film, if you will. You see, Does, do you know what I mean by that? I feel like for me, and you can correct me, but for me, Sean Archer had a balance of both when he became Caster Troy, not before, because before he was just yeah, so why? obsessive obsessed with being justice obsessed with being mm-hmm. just purely good mm-hmm. that when he became this character that he finally and then killed the character then he finally defeated shadow yeah. if you look at it from that perspective that's what he's saying every almost when he got a hold of the guy died just die already yeah i think it was a man def- i think if we look at it from that perspective this man's underworld journey mm. was becoming the bad guy mm. you know then learning about his shadow and then defeating a shadow at sure. the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of some of those mythological tropes, you have to pass through the underworld or you have to pass through the darkness in order to see the light at the end. That's what happened. Literally, the last scene, his wife is looking at him, right? Yeah. And then he's like walking in the light and he mm. brings Castor's son with him. Yeah. And it's like there's so much light shining on this guy. Yeah. He's transformed. He was literally the bad guy, and then he finally became himself when he came out of that underworld journey. Yeah. So he had to he had to see the darkness in himself then by becoming Troy and yeah. seeing because he also has to realize how he's been messing up yeah. and how he's been doing things selfishly. Yeah. So that's what one of the ways you could put this is that. Yeah. Because he's being driven by his pain, mm-hmm. he's doing things only for him. Right. He's he's chasing Troy not because Troy is a bad guy necessarily, no. or that he's gonna like harm other people. It's because he needs revenge, and so that's a personal thing, and it's selfish. And that's one of the things he's having to realize and go through in this movie is that he's he's been selfish, and that his new quest or what becomes his new quest is mm-hmm. that I have to help all these people, which end up including Troy's girlfriend at one point and Troy's son. And then his actual family and all the people that could be harmed by this bomb. And it's no longer about him anymore. It's no longer about his own pain. And instead it's about, I have to put myself second to everybody else in my life yeah it's a hero's journey i think yeah um the hero yeah. is often very selfish mm-hmm. go ahead Were yeah you going to say something no no it's Keep just going. the hero is often very selfish and like you said he um has to experience this see the errors of his ways to rectify the situation yeah um yeah 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 and so maybe seeing Troy and seeing even Troy's life and kind of the chaos involved in that is allowing him to also say, I don't want to go down that path. You know, I don't want to be that selfish guy who kind of only thinks for himself and is only concerned because that's kind of what he's seeing there too. He's becoming him as well with his obsession. He's he's seeing that guy's life. Yeah, you know he's exposed to that guy's life firsthand and what it results in, and then mm-hmm. maybe the 
cherry on top of it is that then Troy comes in the real Troy. So, you know, um, this is like so hard to talk about these characters sometimes, but John Travolta as, um, as Castor Troy, you know, like evil, evil archer or whatever Mm -hmm. he comes in and he tries to kill, um, the other character and he could kill his son and his girlfriend at the same time. It seems like he doesn't really care. I mean, right? he, it seems like he could, he was Castor Troy as Archer, right? Yeah. That's what you're saying. He doesn't care about anyone but himself. Yeah. He is embodiment yeah. of the shadow or yeah. of selfishness. Um, he's further along that path of evil than um, what Archer would be. If mm-hmm. Archer were to stick to his obsession, he would have engaged in the idea of the ends justifying the means yeah. of like harming anyone in his life, like yeah. his wife or his daughter, yeah. which he was doing unconsciously um, to get to yeah. uh, Castor yeah. Troy. But, you know, Castor Troy, the actual one, Archer as Castor Troy. Um, no, Cast. what is it? <laughs> Castor Troy as Archer at, uh-huh. at that point in the film. Um, we can say, maybe this is an easier way to say it is uh, uh, Archer post surgery no, or Archer, Archer pre surgery. That'll be easier. I'll, I'll say it the way I, I already okay. conceptualized it in my head. But um, yeah, I guess what I was going to say is basically he was further along that path of yeah, evil. and For sure. I don't think there was a way to get him back out. Yeah. One of the thoughts I had was like, you know, once Castor Troy became Archer, would he have, would he be able to develop empathy? Mm. We do, we do see some scenes where in his own way, he's trying to become a parent, mm. right? Again, led by the libido, right? Mm. Um, with his daughter playing the, beating mm. up the boyfriend who's just trying to get um, yeah frisky, I guess, yeah. or just trying to get like, uh, there's some line she says about that. She was either raped or almost raped which i don't understand why that line is there because yeah it doesn't seem like it goes that far but maybe there's something that got cut out of the movie i don't know no no some movie's tough but like yeah. he pulls the guy out of the corvette and just like fucking yeah. beats his ass but like he gives her the knife but then and a cigarette and in his way in his world mm. like giving somebody a cigarette is like a way to like mm. pacify them mm. like here's a cigarette you calm down i'm gonna calm down we just dealt with what we dealt with that's yeah. what criminals do, right? And then the knife is like, you need protection. And she's, I mean, he tells her, like, you need protection. He hands her the knife and she thinks, a condom? It's still functioning at that level of sexuality, I think. Yeah. I think there's something that to sense. that idea, right? When one only functions in that part of the body with the libido, just in sex, because that's like pure sensory it's all about your sensual pleasures and, and, uh, well said, yeah. Yeah kind of like feeling good it's all about feeling good rather than feeling human Mm. you know it's only led by one motivation Mm -hmm. right the pleasure and it's all about pleasure and pain right or or and substance use it's a form of escapism yeah right and for at least the good aspects of sean archer wasn't like that Mm. before when his family was healthy they Mm. were they were in a state of love yeah. A state of, you know, respect, a state of living in harmony without mm. being led by these impulses while Troy is led by these impulses. Yeah. So going back to that scene, handing the, the, the daughter a cigarette and then a knife, yeah. um, it seems normal for him. And that's the way he would parent. Yeah. Now I was going with, would he have developed empathy? But I don't think he would. No. Seeing how further he, he does show some care right in terms of like i'll give you the knife but later in the film we do see that he uses her as a a human shield yeah when the um <laughs> when caster troy archer flying. as yeah. caster troy yeah is about to shoot him yeah 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 i don't think he has any empathy at no. all he has some care yeah but empathy is very different I, because <laughs> an empathy is no he has you, no empathy you trying to you have to try to understand the person and put yourself in their shoes. No. And he definitely is not asking anybody any questions about how they're doing. No, you know? no, honestly, that's kind of what, that's what you're doing when you say it's, 
how are you doing to somebody? That's what you're you're trying to empathize with them, even though we take that as a well, now it's that's just, just like, a common saying. But yeah, yeah. essentially, that is the point of it: is how are you? I want to know. Like, let me understand how you're doing. Let me empathize with you. I mean, that's how it should be, but people use it more as just a way of yeah. just being polite. But um, what I was going to say is that he doesn't exhibit empathy because. For him, what motivates him is his own selfish impulses. So for him to give her the knife and do that, I think he was just playing the role. He's not exhibiting, you know, a person who cares about her. He just wants her to be on his side because a person like that uses people. Yeah. um, Yeah. Sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of fucked up things about Cast Troy, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I thought maybe another, so we, we kind of went through a good portion of the film. The part that I was, was also sticking out to me was, um, near the end, specifically the Mm -hmm. church scene. Mm -hmm. There's a couple kind of biblical church references in this film. Yeah. Did you catch the Adam and Eve, uh, thing Reference? going on no can you explain that well one? i mean mm-hmm. i don't know if there's much to explain but his wife's name is eve oh and the son that they bring in is named adam mm-hmm. and not until with adam and eve are joined together i guess at the end of the film is everything kind of harmonious so i thought that was a <laughs> Some type of reference to the Bible, obviously. I feel like there was one scene where there was pigeons, right? And there was a statue. Yeah, yeah. What was the statue? Well, that was Jesus Christ. That's Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. They're in a church, you know. I yeah. mean, there was, there was a couple of things that Castor Troy <laughs> says to the real Castor Troy. I'm just going to say, like, who they really are. The real Castor Troy says to Sharn oh, Archer. Yeah. Um, when they're in the church about... Yeah, I forget exactly what they're saying. Something about the Bible. Oh. Um, but it seems like there's there's some significance there in terms of... What verse is it of the Bible? Oh, I don't think there's a, an actual Bible verse. He just said I, something about yeah, it? Yeah, I think I was, I was remembering it wrong. But I, mm-hmm. I do believe that the significance of the church is for Archer as his kind of like final... His, that's his, this is his final oh, thing he has to go through before he gets to his kind of like purification or whatnot, you know? Oh, man. That would be sort of the alchemical aspect of this. Mm. We can look at it from that perspective through yeah. too, right? Alchemy, mm-hmm. um, the battle of good versus evil, but it is an alchemical experience, isn't it? In what way? Well, you know more about alchemy than I do, but what I can say yeah. is that uh, there's something in alchemy called the negredo yeah. where we go through this. Well, that would be more the than shadow one, kind of aspect of it. Yeah, I think there's more than one aspect of alchemy. There's different solutions to it. Yeah. But I think that was the final stage before. I mm. think killing the guy was the final stage before. Maybe. Well, you know, I mean, and that would relate back to what you were saying is if we're seeing caster troy as the shadow mm-hmm. not he's not really a character he's actually is sean archer's shadow and that he has to get rid of him then that would make sense that he has to end the standoff with him and he has to kill off that part of himself for himself to be purified he didn't have to kill the guy either mm-hmm. um then he pinned him he pinned him to yeah. Right. And then he shoots him with a harpoon. Yeah. Yeah. But he had to get rid of that. So we were thinking symbolically now he had to eliminate that shadow aspect of himself in order to cleanse his spirit. Yeah. With the white doves of the of the church and the holy water. I re- yeah. I think I'm going to read it more in alchemy on the yeah. alchemical psychology because I think it's really relevant. And maybe even to the future films that we're going to watch mm. speaking about the alchemical, you know, experience, I think would be just yeah perfect for, you know, what, what we're talking about. Yeah. Mm. But I was going to say that at times, you know, we create our own monsters, right? In, mm. in waking life, right? 
we create sort of an interpretation of what we think people are. Yeah. You know, and we carry that sort of idea of what they are. I think that's what he was doing in the film, at least creating this idea of how evil this monster was mm. um, and Castro Troy, you know, Archer creating Castro Troy in his mind as this evil person. And it's not until he got to live his life, like you said earlier, did he have some understanding of why this guy does the things that he does? Yeah. 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 And so what happens at the end too is after he kills him, mm -hmm. he has to kind of get his, he has to get his uh, face put back on. Right. right. And I think one of the things I remember happening is he puts his ring back on. Right. And so that's a, you know, the ring is kind of a signifier of wholeness or mm -hmm. unity, the circle being the archetype or the, the shape that is representative of the archetype of the self. So that kind of aligns with him making some type of full journey at that point. Oh, okay. Um, but then you can also uh -huh. look at the fact that he decides to not have that bullet wound on his chest right. put back on. And he right. says, I don't need that anymore. Right. And so maybe we can also see that as a symbol of his heart being healed mm -hmm. and the pain that he was being driven by for so long kind of dissipating and no longer causing a blockage to him and his Hard. relationships with people. Yeah. And so not only is he able to then kind of unite with his real family, but he's also able to let this other person into his life. And that's probably what one of the things that was happening is that he wasn't because his heart was closed off. If right. you will, he wasn't allowing people into his life, his family, his coworkers, anybody. He was closed off from everybody. And that's where that pain comes in that needs to be resolved, where a person needs to work through it so that they can allow others to be present with them and to have like an impact on their life. And at the end, he like looks at his wife and they're like, yeah, we're finally ready to do that now. I mean, if I were to have met him, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had health issues as well, like hypertension, mm. high blood pressure, yeah. constipation, you know, like these things actually happen. Yeah. People hold on to so much. That's true. To hold on to so much shit without actually yeah. dealing with the trauma. Um, he was holding on to a lot, mm. you know, and, you know, if they should have put that in the movie they should have put some like medical issues in there to yeah i don't think a lot of people know about that yeah. i think part of the podcast is really to talk about mm. you know these things too like holding on to these tensions can yeah. actually cause you know definitely aside from mental health issues you know physical ailments and as well which mm -hmm. you know relates to our field in terms of somatic right disorders right? yeah or con yep. conversion disorders as well right mm. so yeah, I think for him, him being law enforcement, you know, he high stress job, high stress job would actually have to speak to somebody. Yeah. You know, especially given, you know, had to have spoken to somebody given the experience that he had about losing his son. Well, they do mention that. Remember at the beginning of the film mm -hmm. that his wife has been asking him to go to therapy. And I think he says after he thinks that Troy was dead. Castro Troy was dead. Remember after he gets like blasted back in that air duct or wherever they are in the underground, mm -hmm. he's like, I'm finally going to do it. I am finally going to go. And she's like, Oh, that's good. And then he ends up taking his face off instead. <laughs> so that's like, that was a, that's a good move to make. It's like, yeah, I'm going to tell my wife that I'm going to do this. And then instead I'm actually going to enter into this guy's body uh, so it shows that he wasn't ready for it yet, but maybe this that is, whole movie is kind of his therapy session in some way. I feel like that is an alchemical experience in itself, mm. you know, becoming the other guy. Yeah. I'm going to look it up and yeah. talk about it next time, but read some Jung, man, psychology and alchemy. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah. You know, that experience. Yeah. Well, I don't know. This was a, another good movie to watch i don't know if it fits in with 
some of the other films we have done or some of the films we will do as much, but I thought it was worth doing a kind of a zany movie like Face Off. Heck, it was entertaining. It's popular. No, it's, people like it. It's entertaining. I mean, I think with many of the films that we're going to watch, we can look at it from perspectives. Yeah. Because, I mean, you've read a, a Deconstruction, right? By, um, I forget his name right now. We've talked about him. Derrida. Derrida. I haven't called read it. Derrida. Yeah. No. But he talks about how when a person writes, right, and what they write initially means something in the beginning but then if you read further in the text in between the lines and really start to deconstruct the lines mm-hmm. you start to see that the message really starts to fail the author yeah or really contradict what the author's really trying to say okay because it really speaks about you know the author himself mm. um so going with that i think with any movie we watch we can really find um a psychological interpretation of the yeah. characters and maybe even how they relate for sure to uh the authors for sure are sure. the, the script writers but yeah we're gonna have a lot of different movies like yeah. stored right yeah and i think definitely next week will mm-hmm. be one where there's a lot to look into so oh. next week next week we're gonna do or uh clockwork orange Ooh. And so that- you you were we were talking about this before and i think we're gonna do at least three uh, Kubrick movies, mm-hmm. and it seems like you haven't really watched too many Kubrick movies. I've seen a few, yeah, but like, you know how I I watch movies. Yeah, I know. So you kind of have to like really watch a <laughs> Kubrick attention. movie. It's gonna be a interesting experience. I'd actually would like to watch this this one with you if possible, but we have we'll have to talk about that off air maybe. Yeah, I'm down. Okay. Share how share how you you see me watch movies before, or like The Sopranos. Yeah, usually you're <laughs> you're uh, reading something as you're watching the movie, and you get the plot. But I don't think you can an- analyze movies very well when you're doing that. No, typically when when we met, you saw me watching The Sopranos. Yeah. At at work of all places, and I was like yeah. half watching the. Yeah. I, that's that's how I do things apparently. Yeah, but you not with have, this. You gotta have full attention, man. Full attention. Yeah, I I will to the movies that we're watching. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, I'll look forward to it. Um, this was another good week. I appreciate your time today. And Thank you. We'll talk next week. So once again, this is Michael. This is Amy. And uh, this has been deconstructing the psyche. Uh, have a good week. See you next time. Take care, everyone. Bye.